tell you to fear not. Amen. Fear not. And um, there's a good reason why not to fear. So we're going to talk about that. Amen. Amen. Fear not. Uh, because <clears throat> the enemy uh, uses fear quite a bit uh, to keep people under control and keep them away from the things of God. Um, we know that dictators um, have used fear forever to control multitudes of people. Often they don't have a lot of power to do anything, but fear will render you powerless if you allow it to. And so this is why God is telling us this and admonishing us uh, not to fear because there are always things that come uh, come across the news or, or come across in real life that the enemy does to try and place fear in the hearts of people. But uh, we need to understand what God, what fear is and why God tells us not to fear it. So in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it tells us very clearly, he says, uh, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So instead of receiving the spirit of fear, we are to receive the Holy Spirit, which gives us power and love and a sound mind. There are about 7 million phobias known to man. Amen. 7 million. And so when we understand how pervasive fear is, we'll see why God tells us clearly uh, that, that we are not to receive it. If God did not send it, you're not to receive it, even though it's very, very common for people. People think it's it's normal, it's common to fear. Now, there are some things that natural fear, of course, will, will do, but uh, you don't you don't often walk in the fright of things. Many times we avoid things because of a natural uh, protective fear. So the natural protective fear has a purpose, but you're not trembling because of these things. For instance, if you know that, that uh, walking uh, off a bridge is going to kill you, then you don't walk off a bridge, but you're not afraid of bridges. You understand what I'm saying? So so oftentimes we avoid things because it's natural and protective to fear them. Uh, you avoid going through stop signs because if you keep doing that, you're going to run into something. Amen. So these are things that we uh, fear has in a protective way. But God is speaking here about fear as a spirit. Now, we need to to um, understand that if fear did not come from God, it is a demon. If it's a spirit and it's not coming from God, it's a demon. Amen. As such, we don't have to be embrace it. Why is that? Because God has delivered us from all the power of darkness. You don't have to receive one thing from the devil's kingdom. You don't have to receive illness. You don't have to receive uh, uh, employment termination. You don't have to receive uh, uh, nonsense from the devil and his minions. You You have a power and authority over that. You need to know that fear, the re, one of the reasons God doesn't want us to receive fear because of the power that it has to deceive. So fear has great power 
to deceive. Every dictator has used fear to control masses of people through deception. So dictators will come in and, and tell people, oh, if you don't, if you don't do what I tell you to do, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to live. You're not going to be able to take care of yourself. You're not, they will strip people of their power and then put them in fear. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was. Uh, uh, there's a, a man, he's an economist. His name is Thomas Sowell. And he said one of the, the, he said one of the things that liberals, he lumps liberals and communists together. He said one of the things communists will do, he said they take away your money privately and then give it back to you publicly. Uh, so there's a deception there. Amen. Because many times I hear people and church people, especially, and I think to myself, well, what has happened to the church? Everybody's running to uh, fill out forms, government grants and getting grants from the government for this and grants for that. And we're the church. We should be able to pull every penny we need from heaven without the government's interference. You understand what I'm saying? Never get, never give away, man. Never give your freedom away to, you're paying taxes for crying out loud. You know, how is the government helping you by taking that money and giving it right back to you in the form of some kind of grant? And especially your children, get your kids off these government loans for college. You know, just let them, you struggle, pay your way, but don't go into a great deal of debt for this because there aren't even any jobs now for people. And now it's exposed what a mockery college campuses are. They teach very little, you know, because they teach very little in schools anymore. So everything's moving to take power away from people and put it into the hands of a very, very few elite people who feel they know more than you do and they can tell you how to live and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, nothing's free, folks. We have to work for everything. It's not even scriptural to want to live free. The Bible says if you don't eat, you don't work, you don't eat. So it's, it's very clear about that. You have to put some labor into what you get from God. Even poor people, they had to glean. You had to bend over in the hot sun to pick up the leftovers of some generous person's crop in order to live. So God expects us to labor. Amen. He expects us to do that. And so many times people who want want power will uh, deceive us into thinking we can have something for nothing. God expects us to obey him in order to be blessed. So we still have to offer up something to God in order to receive the blessings of God. Amen. So God wants to, to keep us a free people. And one of the ways that you stay free is to stay free from fear. Religion uses fear. And religion is not the same thing as God. And religion masquerades as God's kingdom. And so it has a system. It has an organization. It has officers. It has programs. It has denominations. It has all kinds of things to masquerade as God's kingdom. How do you know the difference? In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5, you see the answer to that. 
It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Any system that has a form of godliness, but will not allow the power to come in and work is religion. Amen? The power we're talking about is the power of the anointing of God, of his Holy Spirit. If you don't see the evidence that the Holy Spirit is, is his power is manifesting to heal, to deliver, to alleviate problems and not give more problems. Amen. Some religious churches, you get involved with them people, you got more problems after you get involved with them than you did. You know, that's why a lot of people just sit at home, to be honest with you. They don't have to be worried about, you know, the Bishop's Appreciation Day and the First Lady Appreciation Day and the new car and the new this and the new that on top of the tithe, on top of this, you know, all that stuff. They don't have to be worried with that kind of stuff. And so when we start having that form without power, you know, let the power of God manifest. That's what God wants to do. He wants to get involved in his church and alleviate suffering, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, all of the things that the anointing provides, religion does not provide. Amen. So there's just a form of godliness. There's rituals. Sometimes they they have communion and, and people don't change. They never tell you what the communion table is about. They don't preach the gospel so that you can be born again and 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 be born of the spirit of god and and allow that to dominate their preaching there's nothing like that and so when we see that form without power the bible says from such stay away just keep keep moving and keep going god will lead you to where his power can manifest and trust me there is a place where the power of god's free you just have to keep looking for it I know people say things like, well, I just don't go to church because there's no good churches. You haven't really looked for any. Got me? Huh? Because there are. There are churches that preach the word. Sometimes if you sit there and expect, the preaching gets better. Amen? <laughs> Even when it's just barely, <laughs> if, it's, if it's just barely there. If, if you come expecting, then, then sometimes you're the difference that God wants to bring into a situation. Not that you're going to take up, get up and take over things, but if you're there with a need, God, I've seen God override people's ministers' ignorance and, and meet needs for people, you know, so, because he is the church. So there's a form of godliness, no evidence of power, no healing, no deliverance, man, very little teaching, very little anointing, a lot of storytelling, a lot of, uh, um, Tradition, you know, we always do it this way. We're going to continue to do it this way. Or they're so rebellious, they bring worldly things in there just to make it different. You know, they're, they're, instead of praying and asking God how they want, He wants the services to go. They make up something, uh, that becomes their trademark. And that's no good either. That's just another form of religion. You need to know that Satan will never heal anybody. Amen. He will, if he starts healing people, he'll tear down his kingdom. Amen. Not that he has any power to do it, but if he ever releases his hold so that people can get healed, you know, he starts to cooperate with God, his kingdom is gone. Matthew twelve twenty six tells us that if Satan casts out Satan, 
then his kingdom will come to nothing. Amen. His kingdom is divided. So he will restore, re- destroy himself. So that's never going to happen. So understand that only God heals. Only the Holy Spirit heals. Only God through his spirit is the healer. Now the devil can always come in deception with lying signs and wonders, but there's a, a place where uh, God will not uh, let him cross into. Amen. He will not let him do it. Uh, Jesus owns healing. Himself took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. So he owns healing. Satan can't get in there because it's bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So God's not going to. God also says, how many of you, if your kids ask you for a bread, would you give him a stone? You're not going to do that. So if you come and ask God, Jesus the healer, to heal you, he's not going to let the devil give you something fake or bogus. So same thing with the Holy Spirit. You know, people come and ask for tongues and then go out and say they were false. Well, did you ask God for false tongues? We prayed to, to the Father in the name of Jesus for your tongues and you got the real thing. Amen. Now you let the devil talk to you after that. Now this is the thing the devil does. After the anointing and the power of God takes over, he'll sit on the sidelines and wait and shake you and tell you that didn't sound right you think that sound right huh we had a friend early in the days of our ministry she kept saying her tongues didn't sound like everybody else so she never prayed in tongues anymore and as far as i know quit going to church quit everything because she let the devil come in and tell her her tongues weren't right so if you think that's kind of way out there i'm telling you he gets people with that all the time or you'd have more Baptist people praying in tongues. You know, the religious people slip off to a spirit-filled meeting. They good for running into Benny Hens, getting on a bus and running to Benny Hen and, and praying in tongues a little bit and then get to their church and quit doing it. Let the devil, that's the devil. Oh, okay. And quit. Huh? God's trying to help people, you know. He can't help you if you keep running back listening to them crazy people. Why'd you leave there to get something in the first place? Amen. Just to run back in and give it back. Satan will never cast out Satan if so his kingdom will be divided. So he ain't that stupid. He crazy, but he ain't stupid. Fear is a ruling spirit of this present world. Amen. It has a lot of power. It's a big devil, in other words. Fear tends to carry authority over uh, other minor demons. Amen. So he'll carry with him ideas to give people to assign some, him to something. So fear will manifest itself in situations because it's a ruling spirit. He just comes along. He just walks right in. When it shows up, we give it the assignment. Do you hear what I said? Fear shows up, but we give it the assignment. We attach it to things that we, we you know, it's just, this is how the human mind goes. You feel anxious. Wonder what that is. What's that? Oh yeah, I know what it is. And you give it an assignment. Come on now. 
then after it's assigned, we take possession of it. I'm scared of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm afraid it's going to. People possess fear all the time. Huh? You hear all these, uh, uh, what do they call them? Snowflake liberal young people. Oh, that Trump just frightens me. I just went to bed scared. You know, you'd be more scared if his opponent had gotten in there. They can't wait now. They don't, they don't wait anymore to cut babies up inside the womb. They pull them out, let them live for a while and then kill them. Guess who's next? When a government turns to murdering its own citizens, we're in big trouble. We've been in big trouble for 50 years now, whether you know it or not. Huh? And we still going to our churches, teaching prosperity. <laughs> oh, they said Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Huh? We can't afford to be fiddling, folks. You understand what I'm saying? We're the church of the living God. We're the best he's got. And we're really all, all he needs if we get it in gear. And quit acting like somebody's going to give you, a, somebody you vote in is going to give you some money. It's not going to happen. Amen. you going to keep giving the money just like you're doing. Hmm? Anybody here working? You ever get your whole paycheck before Uncle Sam gets his cut? No, you don't. So you're working for him already. So don't be looking for him to give you nothing back. You hear me? My late husband used to say, he said, man, if I can get my hands on that money before Uncle Sam could get it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? To this day, I don't pay taxes in advance. Uh-huh. No way. You're not holding my money even for 11 or 12 months. You ain't getting it. Hmm? I pay you. I'm the boss now. Huh? <laughs> Amen. So fear is a ruling spirit of this present world. It rules in the kingdom of darkness. He manifests himself in situations. Fear often manifests itself in new situations. That's why he blocks people from entering God's kingdom. He's very successful at it. Very successful. When God tells you to do something, first thing you do is wonder instead of saying yes sir huh you know in the military they teach you that much you know that's that's your response whenever come in yes sir they do it immediately you know why because it's not negotiable it's nothing to think about here amen same thing with us when god tells us to do something it should be yes sir yes god thank you jesus i don't know how i'm gonna do it you know we always throw that in there but we're waiting for the next instruction amen why that keeps fear from getting in there that's why he expects us all the promises god of god are yes and amen by us they're yes and amen there's no no answer it's no, i'm gonna pray about it i'm gonna think about it i don't know if i should do this or not it's none of that there's no debating. 
There should only be a yes. Because once your yes comes in there, then God takes over to do everything he needs to do to help you to do it. And it keeps fear from creeping in there and blocking your way. Once you let fear get assigned to something God tells you to do, he will go along for the ride and then challenge you and try to get up front and try to drive. Huh? Oftentimes we start praying for something and then start wondering, why is it taking so long? Well, I don't know if, I don't really know if God told me to do that or not. I, somebody came up to me recently and told me, now this person had prayed for reconciliation in their marriage for over a dozen years. Man, left the ministry. The next thing I know, they're coming up to me and saying, I don't think God told me to do that all along anyway. I said, you mean the Holy Spirit has been helping you to pray for a lie? Fear manifests because it has permission to rule for the kingdom of darkness. It is the ruling spirit for the kingdom of darkness. When when it shows up, we give it an assignment, we attach it to some situation, some thought, or some activity. When God says he did not give us that spirit, we must resist it. If he says it's not for us, it's up to us to resist it and say no to it. Do not give it power by assigning itself, assigning it to something. That's how it gets power. If you let it stay out there and you don't say, I'm scared of blank or it's normal in, in, well, you know, this is something new. So it's just normal to be scared. No, it's not. He didn't get it to you. What he gives to you is normal. Everything else is not normal. Fears are named, phobias are named according to objects, places, animals, emotions. As we said, there are over 7 million of them. It's up to us to resist the spirit of fear and not give it power by assigning it to something. When God says he gives us power, love, and a sound mind, fear will take those things away from us. So when fear manifests already, it has taken power away from us. Amen. It takes love away from us because then we go into self-preservation mode, don't we? If you're scared of something, you'll do anything to avoid it. Huh? You'll tell your kids to go face difficult situations for you. You know, phobic people do that a lot. When we were children, my mother seemed to be phobic. She never went out of the house. And so as children, we had to confront a lot of situations we weren't emotionally equipped to confront. Amen? Because what happened was she was fearful. And so she transferred that fear onto us, but we had to confront it without the adequate tools, amen, to overcome it. See, adults are much more, much better equipped 
to resist fear and overcome fear than children are. But see, people who really are fearful of things don't care who has to face that for them as long as they don't have to. Amen? And so when you get involved with people, you watch their fear quotient, you know? Uh, encourage people to trust the word. Encourage people to trust God. Encourage people to step out of their shells. Don't take that fear for an answer because they'll hide behind it. People tend to hide behind those things. And there, there, many people just don't like being uncomfortable. Fear makes you uncomfortable. Facing it makes you uncomfortable for a season. But you've got to know God is with you to confront fear, but he is not with you to hide from it. Man, certain things should not, you know, certain things that we consider to be normal and average should not bring fear to a person. Amen. It's not like we're asking you to, uh, to go fight lions in the den all night long. You know, we're just asking you to go and get a decent job. You know what I'm saying? It's... Go front, confront your unemployment devil. Amen. Go get you a job. Amen. That's just normal. So, you know, parents always encourage your children to step out in confidence. It's not, it's nothing to be afraid of here. We're going to pray and God's going to build you up and encourage you so that when you get out there, expect good to come. Amen. Fear tends to expect negative consequences and we'll say it. You know, if if you are around people that are given over to fear quite a bit, take authority over just buying that stupid thing. You know, tell them you enough fear. You're not running our lives. You get out of here. And little by little, that thing will ease up off of a person and they'll be able to see clearly and understand normal. But if they're all in a Twitter about, you know, small things, you, you got some warfare to do there. You got some taking authority. Don't let fear dominate in any situation. You don't have to respect people's phobias. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, you don't have to say much to them, but you deal with that thing in the realm of the spirit and encourage that person to get out and face life. You know, what many of us are afraid of is just normal life situations. And so you can help them greatly. You don't coddle people who say they're scared, you know. They double up fear, and fear always takes with it some kind of self-pity. It's always got some 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 guards to guard it and keep it secure once it gets inside somebody's temple. And so it'll be right in there and have so you know, you want to get after that thing and say, mm, you know, I just don't, I can't do that. It's just, other people can do it. Oh, I wish I was strong like you. A little manipulator. You coming out of there. I don't know who you are, but I don't have to know your name. I know where you came from, though. You're going right back. You know, always be wise to this nonsense and don't put up with it. Either that or they turn the, the, the dog on you, the guard dog. You know, you say something to them, they snap at you, keep you back. You need to snap back. So wait a minute, I know, no, we don't live like that around here. You know what I'm saying? You just, sometimes you need to face a devil nose to nose. So. But, you know, God has not given that spirit. That spirit is not to rule in your life. It's not to have that kind of control over anything. Amen. So your kingdom people, you got to kick fear out because it will dominate. Fear will drive you crazy. Amen. 
Fear will cause you to magnify things far beyond what they are in reality. Amen. It tends to exaggerate, embellish, and magnify. Many people can't go out of the house because of fear. You know, I was like that for many years. You know, it was hard for me to get out. It was hard. I kept doing it, but it, there was a lot of anxiety there till I got enough word in me where I got to understand I didn't have to receive that and I started fighting back. But you, God did not save you uh, to have you live under the dominion of fear. Amen. On the dominion of devils. And so you got to resist that thing. Understand how fear attacks you. You know, you, you need to know some of these things. Sometimes we're afraid to know stuff. You know, that's a fear in itself. You know, you just, you know, we don't want to hear no bad news and, you know, they can't say anything negative to some people or point things out to them. You know, we're, we're trying to get you free. You know, nobody's here to put you down, trying to get you to live in the freedom that Christ has designed for us to live in. You know, nobody's challenging your lifestyle or being critical, but you need to get free. You know, we don't need to live under the dominion of fear, amen? Because I can tell you that as a spirit, the devil, the prince of the power of the air is using it more and more to keep people bound, keep them intimidated, keep them locked up in a, a mental prison and a physical prison. And so uh, God wants his people to be free so that when God tells you to move, you move. When he tells he assigns you something, you do it with all of your heart so you're not hindered in any way from fulfilling the assignment that God has given us. Fear has with within itself denial and a deceptive power that will tell us to deny that we have it. So your temple can become a hiding place for the spirit of fear. Huh? There's a, a song, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I gotta get my musical straight. Um, whistle a happy tune. You said, da 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 I whistle a happy tune and no one can tell I'm afraid. That thing. That's what we do. God didn't give us that happy tune to whistle to hide fear. You understand what I'm saying? But that is a common mental response to the spirit of fear. We don't want it to hold us down so we, you know, psych ourselves out. And then when, when a situation really confronts it, we're left with nothing. Amen. Because fear has the ability to withdraw itself and leave you out there by yourself. Amen. It'll leave you out there naked to confront the situation. And you think you got yourself all psyched up. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I said, well, why is your voice nervous then? She ain't scared. Was, I said, yo, devil, you in there now. I can tell you in there. You liar. Hmm? And many people deal with fear that way. Many times people's fear manifests many times as anger in people. Amen. It, this happens in men a lot, and I'm not picking on men, but 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 anger looks more dominating, uh, and so men will use it to cover up their fear. They'll use anger, you know, and they'll just, you know, uh, um, uh, instead of 
saying I'm, I'm afraid of this and I need prayer, they'll get mad when they have to confront it. See what I'm saying? And try to come, you're using the devil's weapons to fight the devil. Does that make sense? See, and, and we don't understand that because as, as, as sinners, that's all we ever had. But you're in the kingdom now. You've got power and love instead of anger. Huh? And a sound mind. In fact, you have the mind of Christ and Christ can help you think your way out of anything. But you've got to trust him. You've got to get over into his mind and realize that even though fear may have been your constant companion is the other thing you get from people. Well, I just can't help it. I've been scared all my life. I said, you wouldn't even living if this is what you call life. Come on now. This is this. A cockroach lives better than this. Scared of everything. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. You do better. God has provided a way for us to do better. To come out of the dominion of fear. But fear carries with it denial. Where you try and pretend like it's not there. Hmm? I'm not scared. No, no. Oh, no. I'm not scared. No, I'm not scared. Huh? You get in these situations with these not afraid people. Hmm? They'll push you up there in the front and make you do everything. Huh? <laughs> I'm not afraid. You go, you go first. And so you, you have to really Take authority over these things. Tell fear, put him on notice. No, we're not living under your power. No more. Today's the last day. You out. Amen. You out as the boss. Amen. Fear tells us to deny that we have it. Pretend like we have it so he can stay in there and run your life. Huh? There are some things where fear is protective and legitimate, but we're not talking about those things. Those are natural things where you use natural fear. These things we're talking about are supernatural. Amen. So we're talking about supernatural fear. Natural faith will conquer natural fear. So you don't even need God's faith to overcome a natural fear. You just use natural wisdom. Like we said, if you're walking and you see the end of a ledge, you don't keep walking. You turn around, go back. Amen. Sometimes when you're, if you're driving and this is, this is where sometimes we mix the natural with the supernatural. You ever been driving somewhere and been not sure you were going the right direction? And you get a little nervousness like in here, a little bit where the Holy Spirit is. You recognize that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. This is not the right way. Turn around, go back, GPS and all. You know, a lot of times them things are wrong. And so if you don't have faith to continue, that supernatural uh, faith in God is helping you to get supernatural direction. Got me? Because at, at that point, nothing natural is helping you. The streets don't look familiar. Signs don't look familiar. Nothing's familiar. So you got to trust God to come in there and take over and help you out of these kinds of situations. So God will help us where natural faith uh, runs short, where it runs out, then the supernatural confidence of God will take over. God will let you know, I'm going to get you home. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. Everything's going to be great. 
I remember uh, driving, I think I was past, with Pastor Shirley. We were new Christians, you know, teaching Bible study somewhere where we shouldn't have been too far away. And uh, the gas, we didn't have as much gas as, as we needed. And and uh, so uh, I think she was kind of driving a little slow. And I said, girl, what's wrong with you? She said, we're almost out of gas. I said, Shh. I laid my hands on that gas gauge and it went zoop right over there. Huh? Was the anointing, Amen. Now that's a gift of faith. That's that's not pocket change faith, you know. Pocket change faith will tell you go to gas station, but we were too far from one, and so the gift of faith. And I used to that would manifest on me a lot when I was a new Christian. You understand what I'm saying? I get myself, now, now God leads me. I'm more led by the Spirit of God so I don't get into as many tight situations. But tight situations, God will manifest Himself that way. Amen? And so we were able to put it to the flow. And get on home like we're supposed to. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So faith in God will overcome any fear. Amen. Faith in God will overcome any fear. So that's what he wants us to choose. Instead of choosing fear, we choose a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Now, just like fear is big, the Holy Spirit is bigger. So he's a match in size, ability. The Holy Spirit, just like fear, commands many lesser spirits. The Holy Spirit commands everything that we need. He commands the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. He commands the grace of God. He commands favor. He He just opens doors. He's much, much bigger than the spirit of fear is. Faith comes uh, with mature love. So to overcome, for, turn to 1 John 4.18. We'll talk about how to overcome fear because you overcome it of course with faith but you have to resist it you have to first say no to fear you just can't let fear come in and share space with the holy spirit you got to make a choice so first john 4 <clears throat> What I say, 19 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear is torment. So are you, are you a, a, a citizen of hell? No, we've been rescued from that. So that's the only place that torments people that I know of. So if you don't belong there, you're not to receive the devil's torment about anything. Amen. Fear has torment. Amen. And so when the devil wants to, uh, you know, he'll put you in a situation where, say, for instance, things aren't happening the way you want them to. Our our problem is time. We usually want to speed things up in God faster than what God wants to do. You know, your faith will take over when the time is right. You understand what I'm saying? And so in 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 the meantime, God is working to Command our faith to be adequate to pull in the response that we need. You understand this is God's never late with anything. What happens is, is we're too anxious. We don't really trust. And sometimes God is waiting on us to get it in gear and really trust him so that we can let go of our 
anxieties and our fears. And that will open the door for, for him to be able to bless us. So he says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment, and he that fears is not made perfect in love. So this is what the issue is for us as believers and why we fear. Why do we, why is it that believers are quick to jump at something, you know, rather than pray and ask God to do it? Because they haven't matured to trust God. Uh, you know, many times, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're a believer, at least pray and ask God before you go to the doctor first. You know, sometimes we think the first thing that jumps in our head is doctor. Why? Because we're scared. You're afraid that your faith won't hold or God won't do it or won't happen fast enough or I don't know if I had that kind of faith. You're never going to get it. Running to, to get another pill. You understand what I'm saying? It just ain't gonna happen. I tell them, I said, well, well, humor yourself sometimes. Just pray a little bit, but on the way out the door with the keys in your hand, just pray a little bit and see what God might do to help you before you go turn yourself in to the authorities. Amen? It's hard to get out from under their care once they get you because they're gonna milk you for some money. They're gonna, you know, try and get everything. So, amen. So faith in God comes with mature love. How does our love in God mature? By trusting him. Trusting him with little things. If you can't trust him with your body and your life, I don't know why. You know, we say we're going to heaven, but you can't trust God with your body. You got to trust him with it to get into heaven. You can't trust him with it here. But see, well, I don't know if my faith is strong enough. How are you going to find out? And so we have to kind of like pull ourselves out of some of this deception and this this false understanding and let ourselves learn how to mature in the love of God. You mature in the love of God by trusting him with things that you feel you can trust him with. Amen. So I tell people, I said, just keep some kind of challenge in your life. Where you must use your faith. Make up your mind. God, I'm going to use my faith for this thing or that thing or this thing. So that you're comfortable having faith as a first choice. Get yourself accommodated to choosing faith as a first choice. Quit going through your mind trying to scheme and figure out the answer to your situations. Get yourself in on the word. Amen. You know, if something comes up and, and, and you, you know, say maybe you're short of money or, or something like that and, and you decide, well, God, I, I gotta do this. Well, I can always borrow it or I can get on a credit card or the, why don't you just pray first and say, God, let me, let me just believe you for this, this, this and this and start to grow up. And mature your faith, mature your love of God. You know, people love is to me is the same thing as trust. When you trust God, when you love God, you trust him with your very life. 
God, I don't know how this is going to work out. And I'm nervous about not going to the doctor with this right now. But I'm just going to pray. I'm going to stay in the word. Learn how to get close enough to him to get a decent answer. You got me? Just just stay close to God and, and mature in him. I mean, that's not being weak. You're weak anyway. That's good looking for strength. Amen. We, we know your game. You know, don't play mind games with yourself. You know when you're trusting God and when you're not. So learn how to trust God. He, he will perfect your love of Him. He will make it mature. You know, mature love isn't ready to quit at the first sign of, of trouble. You got me? When I was married, I would, I would say things to myself, like, he do so and so and such and such. You know, until I found God and I found that brother would do some of, some of worse than what I was thinking. I'm ready to book on a suspicion. Them brothers will take you through some changes if you let them. Be to change the names on all the deeds on everything, cancel credit cards. I said, oh, Ouch. Ain't that serious, you know? Come on now. The devil got some stuff for you. You don't open the door to the devil to get in by saying you're going to quit if they do such. Because that's the first thing. The devil will bring that right up in front. Huh? You don't quit on nothing. Huh? Well, if you're going to keep acting like that, I'm leaving. Really? Let you back up for a change, huh? Challenge them devils, they get real scared. Huh? <laughs> I would be on the phone praying with people and having Bible studies and my husband would get mad. He said, I'm never going to live like you. I said, well, never's a long time. See, you can say that when your hair is black. Wait till it start getting a little gray. You can't move as fast. Hello. Hello. I'm waiting on never. What you waiting on? Uh-huh. Never be scared of the devil. Amen. Don't ever let him back you down into a crazy corner. Uh-huh. He will make you crazy with fear. So perfect love tosses fear out. Amen. It does. Perfect love causes you to hold on to the things God has given you. Amen. Mature love does. You know, you, you know, when you, when you're young and immature, you know, your spouse say something mean to you, you know, out of anger or whatever, and you want to pack up and go somewhere. You know, I'm, you know, when you get older, you look and say, pack what? I ain't going nowhere. It's just getting each, it's just getting interesting now. Devil. Mature love hangs in there. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere, devil. You kidding me? I got too many things and too many drawers and too many pictures and frames around here with me in them and new. No. Compassion also casts out fear. Hmm? You you work in, in the healing ministry. Those of you who pray for the sick, 
compassion of God always comes as a part of the anointing of God. If you let yourself settle down and quit being excited about everything, you'll find that God will move on you with compassion to stay until things are taken care of. Amen. Till God takes care of things. Mercy also casts out fear. This is all part of perfect love, mature love. Compassion is mature love because you're thinking about somebody other than yourself. Huh? Somebody else is important in the picture besides you. Mercy the same way. Mercy is part of, of self-sacrifice. Man. You show mercy. You could, you could exact judgment, but you show mercy instead. Amen. That's part of mature love. Mature people do that. And you understand who God is and you understand there's plenty of mercy. In God's heart, and His heart is, is in you as well. So all of these spiritual forces support the Spirit of God and the anointing. So the spiritual forces of mature love cause the anointing to manifest. You will never carry an anointing if you scared how you look. Huh? You won't carry anything if you're trying to, you know, be all that. Amen. God stripped you of all that, you know, a long time ago. He's, you know, my mature bride. You know, she raggedy and she, but she loved me. Huh? <laughs> I mean, seriously. That's, that's the way you have to look at it. You know, you can't, you can't be trying to look like television people. And be anointed at the same time. You gotta be anointed where God anoints you. David was anointed with, with sheep dew on his sandals. If he wore sandals. You understand what I'm saying? So you gotta understand that that's all of us. You, you come as you are. With a heart open to God. And, and, and then you mature from there. Amen? So mature love is not concerned about appearances. Mature love is not concerned about money. Mature love can be taken care of. Well, not the minimum, of course. (laughs) Far be it from us to want the minimum of anything, but you know what I'm saying. We don't need a whole lot of, not really, you know what I'm saying, to be comfortable. Sometimes your faithful, faithful gravitate towards certain things. As far as the world's goods are concerned, you know, you want to be comfortable or certainly you, this is something you get between you and God. You know, it's not something that has to do with some reputation or Bishop so-and-so got this for his anniversary and you got to get that too and get mad because your saints won't do that for you. All that nonsense stuff. You, we, the mature love doesn't go there. Amen. Mature love is looking for the next assignment from God. Amen. The next assignment from God. So the anointing includes power, love, and a sound mind. Under the anointing, you'll do things you never thought you could do outside of that power. You got me? And so mature love trusts the anointing. You do as much as the Holy Spirit moves you to do no less and no more amen you don't try to 
add something or embellish or look like somebody else. That's the worst crazy thing to do. The anointing will lift so fast you'd be standing there naked for real, you know. So you you do you under the anointing. You do what you know how to do. Amen. So that's what mature love does. I've had people, ministers that, you know, I hire to come to the meeting and, you know, God wants me to let you know you're not just. And I'd say, no, nah, no, that ain't coming from God. That's coming for your mind. Huh? You understand? God never called me only or just anything. Excuse me? I got elevated the day I was saved. You understand what I'm saying? The minute his spirit comes upon you, you're elevated. There's no lesser position in the spirit and higher position. Are you kidding me? I don't think so. Huh? You're, you're not just a handmaid. And I say, are you kidding me? That's the highest place. Look at Mary. Catholics, Catholics adore her. Huh? She got the highest position of any Christian I ever knew of. Huh? What does she call herself? Handmaiden of the Lord. Huh? With the keys to everything. She carried the Savior into the world, took care of him. Huh? That's the most treasured and coveted position. In, to be the earthly mother of the Son of God? Excuse me? And you think handmaiden's cheap? Huh? Well, what's your position anyway? If I, if you... <laughs> Don't let me get stupid here. Give me some sense, God. No. But you know, people get nervous when you serve. And let me tell you why. They're not familiar with that spirit. Because see, other servants are very comfortable with servants. What happens is they start out serving and then they get high and mighty. Huh? And then when they get around somebody who's a servant, they're uncomfortable. See, your faith puts them under judgment. And they don't know how to handle it. They just get nervous and stupid and start saying all kind of crazy stuff and I thought, oh, okay, really? Oh, okay. Let's move on. I'm here to help you, darling. Huh? <laughs> now, when you can invite me and, and give me a check, then we'll talk. We can have this conversation, as they say. But right about now, you need something from me. I don't need nothing from you. Really? Seriously? Unless it's God talking? And he ain't said that. Okay. So we got that straight, right? But your faith to, to humble yourself and serve passes judgment on their pride and their unbelief. See, they don't believe. They believed in serving way back then. But see, now I've got this. I've got that. I've got a following. I've got an entourage. I've got a presence. i got this. And oh, you're still just a little handmaiden. Poor thing. Okay, well, all right. Huh? I have news for you. I am his bride. I am a joint heir with him. Amen? Of everything 
that pertains to life and godliness. I don't need nothing from you. I need you to try to build me up in a false way. Amen. So in order to step into the anointing, one must show enough trust in God to abandon their own strength, ideas, and abilities. Huh? Naked. Nothing. Lay it all down. And then pick up what he gives you, which is more than sufficient for every situation. Henry Groover, our little friend, the prayer walker, asked God regularly to give him an assignment that is too big for him to accomplish on his own. He has prayer walked over 54 nations in the world, many of them steeped in witchcraft. He has challenged the ruling spirits there and set up God's kingdom. He sees fear as a constant enemy to overcome and never back down from. One of his favorite songs is Trust and Obey. Amen. So he has that mature love that obeys God. He says he, he has argued with people who were his translators and guides when he goes to foreign countries. And they'll say, oh, Henry, you can't go there. If you go there, you'll die. It's full of snakes or full of something. And he says, I refuse to die for a stinking snake. Amen. <laughs> Jesus already died for me. He said, I am not going to die for a snake. He said that with cancer twice. And God healed him of cancer twice. Amen. So, so you can, your love can mature to where you trust God 100%. Amen. Said we have a hard time trusting him from one check to the next. No, you you always got to have somebody in mind that you can get a quick 10 or 20 from. If you get a little shot. Not that there's anything wrong with short, but, um, you know what I'm saying. Isaiah 43 verse 1. It's always good to know where your fear not scriptures are. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Isna. He created us and formed us. And he says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. When God tells you, He's called you by name. That means that he's intimate with you. He, you're not a stranger to him. So when he tells you not to fear, he, he's telling you, don't fear because you can trust me. Amen. I'm the one who purchased you out of trouble. I'm the one who calls you by name. Friends call friends by name. When you like somebody, you, you endeavor to learn their name. You, Quit calling them you and can't think of their name and all that. You you make an effort, in other words, to get close to them and get to know them. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. This is the other assurance we have. We don't have to fear because God is with us. Not when you're naughty or nice, but he's with you, period. There's no contingency on this. Amen. Be not dismayed. I am your God. You know what that means? I'm the one in charge. I decide 
if I drop you or if I don't drop you. Amen. I'm your God. So you don't make the decision that you're not good enough for me to help you because you did something. Amen. I decide that. And I've decided that I'm your God and I'm not going to drop you. Amen. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen. So what he's, he's, this is before Christ and he's speaking of Christ. The right hand of God's righteousness is where Christ sits. Amen. And he has an everlasting covenant with God's people. It will never wear out. Isaiah 35 and verse 4. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong and fear not. This is what you say to people in your life that you know are scared. Tell them, don't be scared, be strong. I don't care how many times they deny they're fearful. You tell them anyway. Well, don't be, don't be fearful, be strong. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even the God with recompense, he will come and save you. In other words, he's coming to help you. He's coming with your reward. He's coming to give you back what the devil has stolen. He's coming to supply everything that you need. So so don't be afraid. He's coming for you. In other words, he's not coming empty-handed. He's coming with your stuff. Amen. He's coming with your stuff. Amen. Uh, Matthew ten twenty eight, Jesus told the disciples, don't kill that, those people who can only kill your, don't fear people who can only kill your body. In other words, he's trying to get your mind in order with this one. Cause, you know, people will run away from Christ. He's trying to set the disciples up to let them know it's going to be some difficult times. You know, you're not going to always have me here. To run interference for you and to give you stuff and to take care of you. He said, you're going to be on your own to face the perils of life. And he says in, in 1028, he says, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Amen. But rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So if you have a choice as to just losing your life, Versus going to hell. You see how we pray for these persecuted people and persecuted nations. They don't renounce the Lord. And they'll throw them in jail and torture them and all that kind of stuff. Jesus said, don't be afraid of them people because there's somebody more powerful than they. Amen. I don't care who's threatening you. Somebody, God is more powerful than they are. Amen. Numbers 14, 9. When the children of Israel were going over into the promised land, what did God tell them? Verse 9, only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. So really, fear is rebellion against God. Amen. If you give in to fear, you're rebelling against the plan of God for your life. For they are bread for us. In other words, we eat them people for lunch. Amen. You got to look at all the enemy's power that way. Amen. That's your lunch. Huh? I remember one time I was in my house and some Jehovah's Witnesses 
came to my door and I looked out. I didn't, at first I wasn't going to open the door. I just don't open my door for people. This is a lot of years ago. And so, uh, I looked out there and I can tell who they were with their little stuff in their hand. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, that's your lunch. I said, Oh, good. Come on in. Huh? And I let them have it. And they left out of there. <laughs> <laughs> bleeding. <laughs> I didn't say much either, and I wasn't mean to the nice Jehovah's Witness. They mean to me. They won't take me to hell. Are you kidding me? And they, I told, they told me, they said, you should be out witnessing the people. I said, I don't have to. God sent you here to me. I don't have to go nowhere. Well, I mean, I said, thank you. Goodbye. Oh, crazy people. You know, I mean, you know, love them. You, you gotta love people because they just, there's no other help for them. But, you know, for somebody to let somebody take them aside and derange them like that, you know, with no evidence of nothing ever. And you know, God talks to those people, try to help them to get out of that stuff. Amen. Jeremiah 39:15. I'll take you there. <clears throat> I'll get my, uh, I think I want to read it in the NIV. I was looking in the book of Isaiah and it's so full of fear not scriptures. And I was telling the Lord, I said, there's a lot of fear nots. He said, yeah, because Jeremiah is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremiah, mm, pretty tense in there at times. Man, judgment's coming. When when judgment is upon the earth, God's people have to stay in that place of fear not. That's why you get your fear not scriptures. Because everybody's talking about that. Hey, God's judging the church is under judgment. Listen, if you're blood bought, you're never under judgment. People need to just shut up and go read your Bible. You know, who gave you a platform? Verse uh, 15, that's where I want to start. It says, while Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him, go and tell Ebed-Melech the Cushite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I'm about to fulfill my words against this city, words concerning disaster, not prosperity. Okay, uh, All you wealth transfer people out there, you shouldn't be looking for no money because what's coming to this earth, money won't be able to help it. Your money perish with you because it's no good. There's nothing to buy. Money's no good. If the banks have gone belly up, money's no good. He says, uh, disaster and not prosperity. At that time, they will be fulfilled before your eyes. But... I will rescue you. This is to the obedient and the blood bought. I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trust in me, declares the Lord. Amen. So people can believe all the judgment for, you know, a lot of times people scare themselves so much with their own words. How can you fight against an enemy and you think there's no hope? Crazy. 
It's like these people are saying, 12 years from now, they've been saying that since I've been in the world. There's always gloom and doom people. I think the world's going to come to an end at some point and it's still here. It says here in Jeremiah 40, starting in verse 1, I'll say, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, had released him at Ramah. He had found Jeremiah bound in chains among all the captives from Jerusalem and Judah and were being carried to exile to Babylon. When the commander of the guard found Jeremiah, he said to him, The Lord your God decreed this disaster for this place, and now the Lord has brought it about, but he has done just as he said he would. All this happened because you people sinned against the Lord and did not obey him. Is that you? No. So disaster is not for you. But today I am freeing you from the chains on your wrists. In other words, the disaster comes from for disobedient people, but obedient people go free. He said, come with me to Babylon if you like, and I will look after you. But if you don't want to, then don't come. So you're free to live your life as you want to. You're free to come and go as you like. You don't owe anybody any obedience, any anything for anything. So Jeremiah, even though he was bound unjustly by uh, one of the princes that, that was left there, God came, always came with somebody to set him free. Now this is a man who is an enemy soldier, has taken over uh, the city of Jerusalem, but he, God moves on this man to let Jeremiah free. Why? Because he's done nothing worthy of judgment. When your blood bought, stay close to God. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to repent. Learn how to live in mature love. And you're always free to go about your life as God directs you to go. You're not bound to anything. You don't have to do this or have to do that. I don't care what people say against you to try to intimidate you. You don't have to bow to that stuff. You're free to obey God. People who are quick to pronounce judgment are full of fear. That's, that's, it's always the judgment people are scared of everything. Many Christians are declaring that now, but have no fear, just keep serving God. What that does is fear comes to immobilize you and think it's no good doing what you're doing for God. Amen. And so God wants us to stay on top of this fear thing. In Jeremiah 42 and verse, starting in verse 19. <clears throat> Verse 18, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, as my anger and wrath have been poured out on those who lived in Jerusalem, so will my wrath be poured out on you when you go to Egypt. You will be a curse. In other words, if you turn around and disobey God out of fear and don't continue with God out of fear, he said, that's when you get in trouble. He says, if you go to Egypt, you will be a curse. And an object of horror, a curse, and an object of reproach. You will never see this place again. So God had saved a remnant that he told to stay in Jerusalem no matter what happened. Well, they listened to the last guy that came with a fear prophecy. And he told them not to stay there, to go with him to Egypt. In fact, they had told Jeremiah to ask the Lord, inquire of the Lord, should we stay here in Jerusalem or do we go to Egypt? 
And so Jeremiah took 10 days asking the Lord. He took his time inquiring in the Lord. At the end of 10 days, he came and told the people, the Lord says, stay here and don't go to Egypt. And they looked at him and said, God didn't tell you that. They went down to Egypt. Some died by the sword. Some died by famine. Amen. Some died just, uh, but their carcasses, they say, were, were strewn about the streets. That's how they died. They just dropped dead. And so God wants his people to live. Do not go to Egypt. Don't, don't side with the enemy. For, for us in this day and age, to me, abortion is the biggest thing that's dividing Christians right now. Amen. We say we're pro-life. We say we don't agree, agree with, but we vote for people who do. You understand what I'm saying? So the abortion, this is a dividing line because God's done with abortion. But don't you be the one that condones it or say, well, I don't really vote for him for that, but that's what they stand for. Don't you be deceived. Don't you let the devil take you down with the guilty. You've got to stand up for something, Christian. You can't just hide from God forever because he's coming for this. He wants to get rid of this abortion thing. And he's looking at who is on his side on this issue. Why do you think that movie's out now? You think God's putting that movie out so we can just shrug and keep going on with life the same old way? And say, I don't, I don't avoid, I don't vote Democrat because of the abortion, but they support it. A vote is a, a prayer of agreement. You're in agreement with that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not here for politics. I'm here for God. But I'm telling you, the Bible's full of kings, politicians, all kind of people God used. He spoke to. He set them up. He set them down. They rule the world. And we're a part of this world. We say we're in the world, but not of it. Act like it. Act like it. Stay with God. We don't go down to Egypt. We don't excuse abortion. You don't excuse homosexuality. You don't excuse moral disobedience. These people that get up in the pulpit half dressed and say they're preaching and you know, you go to their meetings and pay a big enrollment fee and all that kind of stuff. So the spirit of the world is trying to force us to embrace these spirits. And mostly we do this because the spirit of fear is coming to intimidate you against changing your mind because you've always done that all your life. Well, I'm telling you, it's time to get on God's side. You can't just be straddling forever. You have to be 100% with God. Listen, Jeremiah was a prophet and he had to make the right decisions. You don't get excused. Because you, that's not why I vote for them. Yes, it is. Because you give them power. And you give them power to shed innocent blood. And that is never right. Your vote is power. Amen. And you gotta be careful. We have to be, it can't be just whatever you wanna do. Not right now. Things are too touchy. Things are too touch and go. Things are too corrupt. Things are being revealed that are have been hidden from us for years. You know, God's spirit is moving to bring truth to people. Don't you be afraid of the truth. You face the truth, you confront it, and you get on God's side. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord.
And Father, we repent of condoning shedding of innocent blood. We ask your forgiveness. Father, I forgive people who have gone along with this. Nobody's mad at anybody. You're mad at the devil. Because we hate abortion, just like you do. And we will not support it in any way. So we thank you, Lord, for freeing us up. Free our minds from this evil. Father, for everybody who's condoned this, I just ask by vote, by by innocence, by not paying attention, whatever way, I ask you, Lord, to wash their souls and their consciences clean in your blood and help them to make the right decisions for you. So we love you, Father, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God.